Hi, and welcome to Messy in the Middle. I'm your host, Jessica Lee. This is a podcast featuring real women's stories about their journey, the messy part, the trials and tribulations to get from recurrent miscarriage and infertility to baby. Join us as we talk, cry, laugh, and get unbelievably vulnerable to feel less alone in the gang that no one wants to be a part of. Hello. Welcome to Messy in the Middle, episode five. I'm your host, Jessica Lee. Uh, It did occur to me that not everyone would be following my journey on Instagram, so I thought I might give a little bit of a life update. Um, A lot has actually happened. So it was about, I'm going to say about a month ago now that I was told by my fertility specialist that our best chance of conceiving and holding a pregnancy it would be IVF um, because my lining is still chronically thin um, and not, it's not the same thickness the whole way around. So with IVF, he could try and place the embryo in the thickest point in the best, like to give it the best chance of, you know, implanting and sustaining pregnancy. So we were starting to look down that path. Um, I was looking at using my super to fund this and oh, it was two weeks after that I have found out that I've fallen pregnant naturally, um, which I knew that we could do. I guess my greatest fear is is not knowing exactly where it is implanted and you know I was my, I was getting my head around IVF and feeling good about it because there was a lot more looking out for me and tests and making sure my lining was sufficient to even do a transfer and things like that so um I'm, this is I'm recording this Sunday before the Wednesday that this is released and Today I'm officially five weeks, so it's still crazy early. Um, I've had my first HCG blood draw and I had a second one on Saturday, but getting the results for that on Monday, so tomorrow, just to make sure that everything's doubling okay. Um, I'm feeling mostly fine, which is also strange because in my previous three pregnancies, I've felt like super nauseous pretty much from the moment of conception. Um, so it's kind of weird to not have consistent symptoms, but also symptoms don't really mean a lot when you've had a missed miscarriage too, because I thought everything was going fine last time I was pregnant. Um, yeah, so I'll keep you guys updated with that. I'll be putting a little bit on the Instagram page if you want to follow there. But yeah, that's my little life update. Um, We'll see how it goes. I'm mentally managing okay most days, just trying to stay present in the moment and not think too far ahead and just be grateful that today I am pregnant and I feel so blessed and I don't know how long it's going to last, so... Yeah, just being grateful for today that I I am. Um, so we'll get on to today's episode with Shelby. She was diagnosed with a unicorn uterus about three months after trying to conceive. Um, her journey is five years long. She's had four, 14 IVF cycles and eight miscarriages. And then she had to move on to surrogate to have her daughter. So I hope you enjoy. Hi, Shelby. Welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Can you start by telling me your age, where you're from, and who's in your family? Yep, so I am 35, about to be 36. Um, I live in Northern Virginia in the U.S., um, right outside of Washington, D.C. Um, I'm originally from here, too. Okay. And then I live here with uh, my husband, and we have one daughter who's actually nine months old today. Aww. And I have a dog and two cats who are also my children. <laughs> yes, I can completely relate to that. <laughs> and how did your trying to conceive journey start? Well, um, I've been with my husband for a long time, um, probably 15 years now. And when we were in our 20s, I, we were both kind of in the camp of like, oh, we don't want to have kids. Um, but I think again, because we were in our twenties and we just like, weren't thinking about it. And then I turned 30 in 2017 and it was like, just like 
something clicked in me and I just like was like oh my gosh I need to have a baby I have uh some aunts and uncles who are only like five six years older than me and they they were having kids and I think just being around more kids in the family um I was starting to think like you know I think we could do this so on board with that too (laughs) um yeah actually I like vividly remember the conversation I was sitting on the couch and I was like hey I think I should come off birth control and I think he was like scared and we were both like should we actually do this thinking you know we would get pregnant like so so soon yeah um but like we decided all right like let's let's give it a go go off birth control and just like see what happens um and and yeah he so he's actually four years older than me and I think that he also was starting to realize like he really wanted to have a family um it was kind of you know like we were getting to that age where it made sense like we already had a house we have careers um yeah it made sense where we were and like that evolution is totally normal too like being in your 20s and not really knowing if you want kids and then yeah hitting your 30s and it's like okay yeah I think now's the time to start definitely definitely yeah so I came off birth control and um I never got a period I yeah I have a I don't it was an interesting story. So like I came off of it in, in in April, 2017 and, you know, I waited and waited and the OB said, you know, give it three months. Sometimes it takes a while. Um, I got all these tests done and basically by like January, they were like, you should go see a fertility specialist if uh, you want to get pregnant. Went to the doctor a bunch of times. My OB was perplexed I had all of these tests done and she was just like if you want to get pregnant right away then you should go see a fertility specialist so I made an appointment of course which took like you know two months and I don't know if I was like nervous or really thinking about it I think I was just confused and I was trying to google like what might be wrong with me not really coming up with much um and and I didn't expect it to happen like I remember talking to my aunt when I first came off birth control and she was like, oh, everyone in the family is so fertile. Like you're going to have a baby like before you know it. Um, and, like, as the months went by and by, it was just like, okay, you know, now I'm almost, I was 31 at the time. Like, like, like time was ticking. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to the reproductive endocrinologist yeah. and she diagnosed me with something called hypothalamic amenorrhea so it's basically the absence of periods it's a whole nother long story but it's it was a separate fertility issue from then what I later found out right okay so her she was like no problem we can do um fertility treatment you can start with an IUI and like you'll you'll have 99% chance of getting pregnant and having a baby so I'm like okay Sorry, just to interrupt. Was she yeah. certain that you were still ovulating to be able to do not, an IUI? I was not ovulating. I had to do uh, a medicated one. So. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and and tr- to be honest, like I don't know how it is in Australia, but like we, I didn't really know much about the menstrual cycle. Like we didn't really learn about it. Like yeah. I had been on birth control for so long, I never even thought about periods like it yeah it wasn't something that ever I didn't know I didn't know any of the science behind it or like what was supposed to be happening or anything like that yeah I was exactly the same like I know I've learned way more about my menstrual cycle at 36 than I ever had in my whole entire life and if I had realized some of the like red flags to look out for like I could have started figuring out what had gone wrong after the birth of my son way, way earlier than I had. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I just kind of, the doctor was telling me to do this. So I was like, okay, I'll just do this. Like I didn't really, I didn't dig down deep into why I didn't have a cycle and like how I could get it back, which I actually eventually did. But at this, at this time it was, let's try IUI. You know, I felt like I was going to be pregnant in a month. Yeah. So she was like, I guess a standard 
thing for that fertility clinic is that you have to have something called an HSG before you're allowed to start in the fertility treatment. And I had never heard of it. Like she was like, just schedule it. Um, she said, don't Google it. Also, I was okay. a little nervous about that. So of course I Googled it. I scheduled it and Googled it. Everyone's like, oh, the HSG is the most painful test ever. And I remember being like really, really nervous that it was just going to be so painful. But the, like the day of the exam came and I took a Xanax and then yeah. I was like, this is fine. Like I'll be able to get through this. And I was in the test and it was being done by like three nurses were in the room. And it's like, it's awkward as it is. I'm sure you covered it on the podcast, but it's like, they're checking to see if your tubes are open. So you're doing like an ultrasound and an x-ray at the same time. And it's just mm -hmm. like very vulnerable. So the nurses, they, I guess we're trying to put like the dye in to check my tubes. And clearly something wasn't right, but they weren't saying what it was. They were just like all kind of standing around looking, not sure what to say. And one of them was like, hold on, like I need to go get the on-call doctor. So there was a doctor that was on call doing like retrievals and um, embryo transfers. And it took them probably like 15 minutes to get in the room. So I'm just like sitting there in the stirrups, like feeling so awkward. Like what is going on? No you one can tell me. so confused. I was so confused because I, I was expecting to feel like pain and I hadn't at this point. I'm just like, yeah. I'm just confused and feeling weird. So the doctor came in and she looked and all she said to me was, you have, you have something called a unicorn. And I was like, what, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. And she was like, she, she wasn't my doctor. She's the on-call doctor. So she said, you have to wait for your doctor to call you. She'll explain it to you. And I was, I remember just saying that, can I still have a baby? And her just being like, just wait for your doctor to call. So I got dressed and I left and I had like a 45 minute drive home. And I remember just like, crying like calling my husband telling him to google unicorn uterus yeah. which turned out to be you at uterus which I learned yeah, a lot about I find it odd that she didn't even use the correct term with you or maybe she did and I I, I just well I heard unicorn and just it was yeah. just so right so of course when I got home I got on google and I just found all the statistics about miscarriages and stillbirths and yeah. I just, it was a bad day. Like, yeah, I really thought like I was, I was already having to do fertility treatment. And now I find out this extra, like one in a million thing. Um, and I'm thinking like, okay, well, there's no way this is going to happen. Mm. So my doctor finally called me and actually she, she had had a patient with a unicorn uterus before. And she said that she was able to get pregnant with IVF. Um, and like she had a baby and everything went fine. And I remember her saying like, well, your uterus is small, like, mm -hmm. like on the more small side, but she seemed confident that like this was still going to be fine. So, and in that time I found like these unicorn uterus Facebook groups, I saw that people were having babies and I started to feel like, okay, you know, this might be a little more challenging, but like I can do this. Yeah. Um, There's a bit of more hope there. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, maybe we can have a baby. And then, so when I went, I went back to my doctor and she, you know, gave me those odds again. And I want to say my odds went from 99% to like 92. So I was like, okay, I got this. Like, I still have that paper. Yeah. You're going to have birth, like within three IVF cycles. So we actually still did IUI at first. Um, so it was just one side that was obviously blocked and the other one still coming through. Yeah. So I have a, yes. Yeah, so I have a unicorniate uterus, which is basically, I guess, half of a uterus yeah. on the left side. And I have my left tube and it was fine. And then there just wasn't anything on the right. Mm -hmm. um, I have both my ovaries. She had me go get checked for my kidneys. I have both my kidneys. Yeah. Um, I was feeling pretty okay about it. So we went into the IUI. And, um, of course the first time my dominant follicles were on my bad side, mm -hmm. so, like, I, you know, she's like, well, I would recommend not doing the IUI and doing timed intercourse. So we did that. And then the next month 
it wasn't my dominant side. We tried, we ended up trying IUI, I want to say like two or three times. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, you know, the months are just rolling by and it's like starting to get really depressing. So, uh, she recommended that we go to IVF because I guess, you know, they can put the embryo right in your uterus and you don't have to worry about the fact that you only have one tube. Yes. So, um, I started an IVF, IVF cycle. Uh, I had a lot of trouble responding to the medications. Like I really didn't get that many follicles. They weren't getting big. My lining was so thin and she would just blame everything on the unicornate uterus. Like, oh, your uterus is small and that's why, you know, your lining is thin and, and all these things. And later I, I found out that it's probably not what was going on. Mm. Um, I was going to say, I'm not sure that, that like that, that, that stuff that I've read that a thin lining is typical with a unicornate uterus. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it was so, I mean, I had to cancel so many cycles. I ended up, I ended up doing stim drugs. 14 cycles. Wow. Yeah. So how are you coping with that mentally? I mean, I have a therapist. Um, it was really hard. It was beginning. I had more hope and we, at the beginning we would just get negative. So it just didn't work. It didn't work. It didn't work for probably like the first nine months. And then all of a sudden one of the cycles worked and I got pregnant and it was like, I just was so excited yeah. and we were, we were finally like, oh my gosh, you know, this, this was July, 2019. So it had been two years into the journey and finally pregnant. Um, I had gone through like a really horrible personal situation the year prior. And it was like, finally, this light at the end of the tunnel um, was happening. And I went to the ultrasound. Everything looked amazing. I went at six weeks. I went, um, I immediately started seeing, uh, high-risk specialist because I knew that I'd have issues possibly from the uterus saw him at seven weeks everything looked great saw the fertility specialist at eight weeks everything looked great I went on a work trip to San Diego for a week and um the day I got back I had an appointment so I would have been like 10 11 weeks at the time Mm -hmm. and I just went in there like so naive and we looked at the baby and like I could tell like clearly there was no heart beating oh, I'm um, sorry. it was it like it killed me really mm. I I knew that the chances of miscarriage were higher but I just felt like I had I had gotten to the heartbeat everything looked great you know I told my parents like we yeah we, yeah like we were excited yeah um so yeah, that was the worst. <laughs> um, and I, yeah. and I didn't know anything about what happens when you have a miscarriage or anything. And I just, I, I remember that the poor doctor, he like had to give me a private room and I just like cried in his office for like an hour. And he referred me back to my fertility specialist who told me about like getting a DNC. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I did that like one or two days later and I just, I mean, it it was just devastating. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I took a week off work. Like I didn't really want to talk to any of my friends or family. I couldn't sleep because I just, I remember like I would dream about having the baby still, like still being pregnant. And then when I would wait, it was like having to realize it all over again that like it's not happening. That's so horrible. Yeah. Yeah. So that was in July, probably like, it took me probably a month to start like resurfacing. And, and, you know, after you have a DNC, you have to wait for uh, your HCG levels to drop to zero. And my doctor was like, you have to come in once a week. And so I'm just going in every week. And, you know, like by the end, I want to say it was like, after two months, I swear it was like 30. And then the next week it um. dropped to 10. And it was like, I just felt like that end was just, just constantly waiting for it to get to zero. So it finally did. And I finally was like, okay, we can try again. And so we did another cycle and like, I started to feel hopeful again. And right off the bat, I got pregnant again. And same deal. I was like, okay, maybe my uterus stretched from that first one. Like, um, I, I had added things to my protocol. I was on blood thinners. I was trying prednisone. Like I was, I was basically mm-hmm. just throwing everything at it to yeah. 
make sure that like I could keep this baby because I lost the previous one around like 10 weeks which is you know not not really a chromosome issue and um but like a little early for a unicorn it according to my doctor so we thought it was just a fluke you know it was almost a carbon copy with this next pregnancy so it was like October I had beautiful six-week ultrasound seven week eight week nine week and I had my nine week ultrasound and I don't know what came over me, but I bought one of those like home Dopplers Day before the ultrasound, like even at nine weeks, I was able to find the heartbeat. So I knew like exactly where the baby was. Um, I went in for the ultrasound, everything was great. And then like later that night, I was trying to find the heartbeat with it and I couldn't. And you know, everyone online is like, this is why you're not supposed to get these Dopplers. Yeah. Uh, you know, like it, I'm sure it's there. You're just missing it, whatever. And I was supposed to go see an OB for the first time the next day. And I just had this feeling like I just knew that something was wrong. And I didn't want to go to my regular OB for the first time and like have a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. I really want to go back to my fertility specialist since it's the doctor that I knew and just check to make sure everything was okay. So I remember like calling their office as soon as, as soon as they were open and just begging them, like, please, is there any way I can get an emergency ultrasound before I have to go to this OB appointment? Like I have a home Doppler and I just, I just know something's not right. And my, they, they let me come in. But when my doctor, when it came in the room, I remember her being like, this is why we don't do Dopplers. Like everything's going to fine like I don't know why you're doing this you know she, you know was she making me feel like like Google did or like Facebook did like you know just you're fine well, I everything. think when you've already had a missed miscarriage like there needs to be a little bit more compassion around the anxiety around the next pregnancy yes yeah, so you know I'm on the table they do the an ultrasound and keep in mind like the day before everything looked fine and there was no heartbeat oh god I just like I just remember laying back on the table just crying and my doctor like putting her hand on my shoulder and she just said have you ever considered surrogacy <sighs> um, and this was like right before Christmas it was like mid-December and I just ugh, I again like I just couldn't even think about anything um yeah yeah so yeah, that happened twice in a row it's like that's, that's yeah. confusing within itself and it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And like, she kept blaming my uterus, but then I'm like on the Facebook group and other girls are saying, no, that's too early for it to be a unicorn problem. And, you know, then I started getting into people telling me to go see reproductive immunologists. So I just, I was just trying to cover all my bases. So with that one, instead of like hiding, like I did after the first one, I kind of got determined to like try and get to the bottom of this. I started reading like tons of research papers and reaching out to like all these doctors. I had multiple consultations with reproductive in immunologists and like, honestly, even the best of the best still, still with the unicornate uterus would say like my odds were maybe 50, 50. And the problem was this is like really expensive. Yes. Uh, up until this point, um, my insurance had covered like a decent amount. I mean, I was still paying thousands of dollars, but once you start getting into a more specialized treatment, so the reproductive immunology, none of that stuff's covered. Okay. And you're paying, actually people fly all over the country to see these doctors. So like you're paying travel and time off work. And then like each infusion can be thousands of dollars and the medicine and everything. And we just kind of took a step back and said, like, if we're going to spend all this money, like maybe we should explore other options, especially because like we just had no faith in my uterus, basically. Yeah. Like other girls were having success. I just, I looked at the HSG of mine and the image just, it just doesn't look right. It doesn't even look like a unicorn. It, it looks like nothing. And I just, I just really lost faith in it. Did they do um, any testing of the second embryo after the DN? Yes. So I had yeah. two DNAs. Both of the embryos were normal. Yeah. Okay. That's hard too, isn't it, to hear? Yeah. 
I almost wanted them to be abnormal because we hadn't done uh, the embryo testing. And so I was like, you know, if they were abnormal, maybe it was a genetic problem and then we could do testing. Yeah. And then that was the problem. They were both, yeah. they were both um, which was really hard because, you know, a normal embryo doesn't usually stop feeding at 10 mm. weeks. So we kind of took a step back and I still had two embryos left and they were not tested. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do these last two cycles, but also like, let's explore adoption and surrogacy. And I actually had a family member. So my uncle's wife, so my aunt, but she's married in, yeah. um, she's actually only a couple of years older than me. And she had said from the beginning of my troubles, she, she was like, uh, you know, I've always wanted to carry a baby for somebody. I like being pregnant and like, I would be a surrogate for you. Oh, that's beautiful. It is, but that's also like something that's, it's easy to throw out. Like I've, yeah. I've actually had people be like, oh, I carry your baby. Um, but the logistics of it and, and when you actually like start thinking about it, like, like the rules for surrogacy, like you have to be done having children and she mm -hmm. wasn't. And oh, okay. you, like, there's, there's just a lot of things that have to happen for it to work out perfectly. But we went to these adoption seminars and they were terrifying, to be honest. Like adoption are, if you want a newborn, it, it is so expensive and heartbreaking. I, I joined a Facebook group and saw all these people that would like put all this money into it. And then at the last minute, like the, the birth mom would decide to parent the baby. Right. Mm, yeah. He just, honestly, my husband was just terrified. Like he, he did not want to go that route. So I had him talk to my aunt again. I sent him over there to her house and I gave him a list of questions. And like, I didn't want to go because I was just so, I don't know, so nervous, like that she would say no or that it wouldn't work. And he like asked her hard hitting questions. Like she actually had just gotten pregnant. And, you know, he said like, is this your last one? Like, and all these things. And are you serious about this? And yada, yada. And she said, yeah. Um, she said that like when she was, once she was done with this baby, which would have been her third, they absolutely weren't having another and that she was completely serious about being a surrogate. So we kind of started just like looking into that. Mentally, how do you go from you trying yourself for a baby to I'm never going to be able to carry my own baby? I, it was really like, so since she was pregnant, I had time to have like an intermediate, like an intermediate stage where I was actually still trying with my untested embryos, but also had the hope that she was going to carry. Yeah. So I went through a couple more IVF cycles. I actually miscarried. I ended up miscarrying a total of eight times, but. Oh my gosh, um, did you really? Yeah. So I miscarried a couple of times, like while she was pregnant. Are they but still all like later in the first trimester or did you, were you having early miscarriages as well? I had probably half and half. Okay. Um, I had some that were early. I had an ectopic. Okay. I had a couple that were later. So while I was going through that though, I was, I was still trying myself, but I decided that when I won, when we went for surrogacy, I wanted to put tested embryos in her just to make sure that like nothing nothing could go wrong you know that we could have prevented doing more retrievals and after these retrievals I was putting in like my old untested embryos and actually at the same time I was digging into my other problem my hypothalamic amenorrhea and um, I ended up getting my period back and I ended up getting pregnant a few times naturally yeah and I was like oh my gosh like maybe maybe this is it and this is going to work. But then every single time I would miscarry. Mm. So uh, Libby, who's my aunt, she gave birth and we talked to a surrogacy agency. We talked to my doctor and they said, you know, a year after she gives birth, like you can do an embryo transfer. And they just explained the process and you know, there's, there's a bunch of stuff you have to do medically. She has to clear all this hoops legally. You have to have a contract and, and there's just, 
there's so much involved. You have to have psychological evaluations with not just her, but my uncle too. And you know, it was like, oh, a year seems like such a long time to wait. You know, it took probably a good six months to even just like get to the point where we were even ready to like think about doing a cycle. So I guess that was 2021. And luckily she passed all the tests. Like I still can't believe it, to be honest, because she had had miscarriages herself. And there's just, there's just like very specific criteria medically that you have to be able to pass to be a surrogate. But she did. And somehow like that year went by and it was time to do an embryo transfer for her. And I mean, we were just like over the moon, like so excited. Yeah. We did the embryo transfer for her and that was in May of 2021. And she got pregnant and I just like, oh my gosh, we were so excited. Like, cause I, I'm like, okay, finally I have a normal embryo in a normal uterus. Like this yeah. is going to work. And we went to the first ultrasound and there was a heartbeat, but like it was a little low. Mm-hmm. And of course I Googled everything. I know what everything is supposed to be. And the doctors yeah. are like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. But I'm like, I just, I don't know. Something doesn't seem right. And, um, you know, poor Libby, like she was so excited. And then after the appointment, I had to be like, I don't know if this is going to work out. So we went back and a week later and there was no heartbeat. When Libby miscarried, that was that was maybe even harder than my miscarriage the first time because oh, um, there's so I, much more hope riding on it I really thought here we have a normal uterus we have a normal embryo there's there's nothing that can go wrong like I was so naive I really truly thought that if she got pregnant she wouldn't miscarry mm. uh, there was a reason for it so she had to have a DNC and I remember my doctor just saying to me like not all embryos are made to be a baby. Like it doesn't matter if it's normal. And I was like, okay, like I, I you know, I trust you. And she, you know, we we still had three more embryos, and she asked if we wanted to do it again. And honestly, like Lib- Libby wanted to, and we did, but we were so guarded at this point. And also, yeah. like you, again, you're paying so much money, like you pay per transfer, I'm gonna say it was like $20,000 or something, something just like to lose, like all of our savings. Um, And I just like, couldn't imagine going through it and then like losing a baby again. And my husband at this point too, we were both just so like, we'd honestly come to a place of like acceptance of not having a child. Like Mm. our lives are fine you know, we're happy. We just, we just maybe weren't meant to be parents. So Libby had to wait for her HCG to go down uh, after her DNC. And it was like August, 2021. And we're like, all right, like, we'll give this a go. We really think it's our last time that we're going to be able to like mentally do this. And I went with her to the embryo transfer. And a week later, like she had a positive pregnancy test. And again, I mean, I'm so guarded, but like. It'd be so hard to be excited. But her betas looked good. And then like the ultrasounds looked good. And then it started to get to the point where like we would, we made it like past where I had ever made it. Like we made it to 12 weeks. And then, I mean, I didn't even talk about it for probably the first 20 weeks. Like even acknowledge the fact that we were going to have a baby. I didn't Mm. buy any clothes or like any furniture like we we weren't gonna change the guest room into a nursery like I just was like being still very guarded about it and she had an SCH which is like a blood clot at I want to say 17 weeks and she ended up in the emergency room Mm. bleeding I was just like this is this is it like like there's no way we're actually gonna have a baby but somehow (laughs) somehow in May of last year we actually had a baby that's amazing. Um, yeah, Libby gave birth to our daughter. So Libby's name's Elizabeth. Um, yeah. Our daughter is Elizabeth. We named her after her. We call her Birdie. I was there <laughs> for birth and I caught Birdie as she was coming out. Um, oh. It was just the best thing ever. And like, you know, now it's it's hard to look back and think we ended up, tr- we were trying for five years. Yeah. 14 
there's eight miscarriages plus Libby had a miscarriage but it kind of just like all it all went away like it was all like right in the world once we had her so oh I'm so glad that you had an avenue where you could bring your baby into the world and it's really selfless of your aunt to be able to do that for you as well she's the most amazing person in the entire world um you know, of course, I joined Facebook surrogacy groups, and at least like in the U.S., um, you know, normally you have to pay a surrogate a compensation, and it's a lot of money. And Libby did not charge us that. Uh, we just had to pay like her medical bills, and yeah. granted, like it was still a lot of money. But the only reason we were able to do it is because she did it for us. We wouldn't have been able to have a baby otherwise. So, what was it like for you watching her go through the pregnancy? I was pretty detached. Like I, I, she lives close to me only 15 minutes. So I saw her a lot. I went to all the appointments. I was really excited, but I just didn't feel like I was pregnant. Right. Mm. I was excited. I'd see the baby on the screen, but I just, and I, you know, I could feel her kick and we had the Doppler and I could hear her heartbeat, but it just, it just didn't seem real. I think I, after the whole journey, I was just so numb to everything that like, I didn't get excited about things, but I didn't even really get upset about things either. I just was like, just flatlined pretty much yeah. my mom. But yeah, I, I mean, I definitely was excited. And like, once we got to when it was going to be the birth, like we, we scheduled it. And I remember that morning, just thinking like how weird it was that, you know, I was going to go like, pick Libby up, go to the hospital. She's going to have a baby. Then we're going to come home, drop her off. And then like, now we have a baby. Like it's just the whole thing. It's just so, so funny. And, you know, it's my aunt and like, I'm, you know, basically brother and sister. And yeah. um, just the, the whole situation was so unreal, but then like became so real. Yeah. It was, it was really neat. It was really neat. Did you have that instant connection once Birdie was born? I was so worried. I remember like before we had her, I bought books that were like, you know, um, about anxious mothers. And I, I just thought there's no way I'm going to bond with this baby. I don't know anything about being a mom. And I didn't let myself research anything because I didn't think we were actually going to have a baby. So like I didn't read any kids books, baby books or like parenting books or anything. We kind of just like threw ourselves into it. But the minute that baby came out and we had a photographer there, so we have pictures of that day, it was completely instant. Like I just knew what to do. And like that first night in the hospital, like we all stayed in the hospital together, which was so fun. Yeah. Um, and I just yeah, it just immediately came so naturally. Like it had nothing to do with the fact that I didn't carry him. No. That's amazing. And I think that's really important for people to hear as well because I think it's so easy to get caught up in the whole wanting and I, I, I'm not at the point where I need surrogacy but my fertility specialist has definitely mentioned it that it may be a possibility and I think in my situation I'm very very lucky that I've been I have been able to carry a baby before um my unicorn uterus was caused by something else that wasn't something I was born with but yeah, to get to that point of letting go, and I guess you'd already been through so much heartbreak that like, you get to a point where you can't face face anymore. You can't face yeah. any more loss, and it just seems like the next logical step. And to know that it, once your baby's here and you have that instant connection, it's almost like how she got here doesn't even matter. Yeah, yeah, it was funny. Like the first few weeks after she was born, I would like experience it more where the the way the laws are in the states every state is different and the baby was actually Libby's mm. way the state of Virginia works um we we even though she was our baby we kind of had to like adopt her and so the birth I think certificate it's the same here yeah so like the birth certificate and in the hospital like the hospital band all said Libby's name um and and like the nurses they were so good but like people would get very confused right yeah. and yes at first it was like well this is my baby even though it's like really her baby and then once we took her home we would start like going for walks and I remember having this like little tiny baby and people would stop me 
and say, you didn't, you didn't just have that baby. Like they would look at me like my figure, right. Mm. It was like, there's no way I had a baby. And it's crazy how many people I saw that would say that to me. Wow. And I felt, I found myself having to say to people I don't know, like, oh yeah, you know, I didn't, I had a surrogate. So like, yeah, definitely the first month or so after it was still, it was still like more obvious that I didn't carry her. But then, yeah, I just, you know, you hit a point where she was, I guess, big enough for me to look like I would have lost the baby weight, which is ridiculous. Oh my goodness. Like that really astounds me that people, especially strangers, think they have the right to comment on your post baby figure. Yeah. Yes. So um, finally, you know, I got to a point where it looked like she was my baby and now we never even talk about the fact that it was the surrogate. Are you going to be talking to her about it when she's old enough to understand? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. No, it's not. It's, you know, we go see Libby all the time and I always call her mommy number two. <laughs> and Birdie, Birdie is like her, Libby's kids are younger and they're in love with her and it's just, we have a great relationship and yeah, she'll know. I, I bought a book actually for her kids and there's one for Birdie, um, just kind of like explaining like that my mommy, my mommy couldn't carry me, but you know, another mommy did. And yeah, no, it's, it's, it's actually like, it's such a cool thing that happened in our family. Like yeah. everyone, it's just, it's as hard as it was. It is just like, such a special story to tell it really is yeah and like I'll never be able to, to repay her or thank her enough how was your relationship throughout all this uh I would be lying if I said that it was fine definitely I mean at the beginning we were we were more excited um after that first miscarriage like I feel like my husband really shut down and I didn't feel like he was as upset as I was. Mm -hmm. I just didn't really feel like we were on the same page. Like I think he would have given up a lot sooner. Um, and, and, you know, I had just gone through all this and all this IVF and everything. And I just, I just felt like there was no way I was going to give up and like, he wasn't interested in adoption. And there was just like, there were many points where it was like, how are we going to figure this out? Like during all of this COVID happened, right? So it's 2020 and like the fertility clinics shut down and we were stuck working from home in this like tiny little house and like things just got really bad, to be honest. Um, there were definitely talks of splitting up, but I don't know, like somehow I just, I just really kept that hope. I just knew it was going to work. Um, and like, I really worked on myself. Like I got on medication, I see a therapist. Um, I really did like a lot of internal work to make sure that like I was in a good place for me so that I could be in a good place for him. And then mm -hmm. in turn, I'm like having a baby. So even though it did take so long, it was almost a blessing because like, I think we were able to get ourselves and our relationship into a better place. Yeah, it's like in the height of the fertility treatment, like it was just, it was, there was too much going on. Yeah. Yeah. I can completely relate to that and going through losses and because I guess they're not, they don't know what it feels like and you place so much blame on yourself. And I think probably even more so in your case and even mine that there actually is something wrong in yeah. our body No, I and it's so easy to, yeah put all the blame on yourself yes this this is my fault like if you were with someone else you wouldn't be going through this like mm -hmm. it is 100% my fault yeah and it sucks like yeah it, I I don't know if, I mean would I would you stay with someone like I mean I guess but if you really want a baby like I just I felt like I let everybody down yeah I'm glad you started seeing someone and getting some help for that because like emotionally it just takes the heaviest toll. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, still to this day, like all I can say is just like, this was the cards that I was dealt. Right. Mm -hmm. I always thought we would have two kids and 
there's no way that we could afford to do this again. Uh, we don't have the space to do it again. You know, like I never thought I'd have an only child, but to be honest, the fact that I have a child at all, you know, is just like, is such a blessing. But, but yeah, I get sad all the time when my friends, all my friends have two kids or three. Everybody's yeah. always, you know, everyone has these families and, and I just always have to repeat, like, this is the cards I was dealt. There's, there's absolutely nothing I can do about it. And so it makes it like a little easier to accept. So grateful to have your little babies, but sometimes there's just a little piece of your heart that's still missing and yearning for, for another one. Yeah, and like now that she's nine months, you know, she was such she's such a great baby. She was a great newborn. She slept great. Like, I I have baby fever ever since she started rolling around and wasn't like a little cuddly newborn anymore. I knew like, oh, I want another so bad. I want yeah. one so badly, and it's just not in cards mm. but again like I have to look back on everything that happened and realize like how lucky I am that we were able to have her and my husband is too like we just we love her to death how did he go bonding with her after the birth it was really not as immediate but it was yeah. really quick yeah. um he surprised me too uh we both just like settled into it so well um, especially coming from, you know, 10 years ago saying like, we weren't going to have kids and the type two where like, when we see other people's kids, like, we're just like, oh, whatever, you know, I'm not, I'm not the type that's just like loves surrounding myself with children and babies, but just something about her, like, <laughs> yeah, we were just both obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. And even from the beginning. How were, was the response from friends? Were you getting a lot of support? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know different people in, in their fertility struggles do different things. I decided pretty much from the beginning to be pretty open about everything that was going on. Yeah. Um, because that's my defense mechanism. Like when people would say like, when are you going to have kids? I, I just was like, you know what, I'll tell the truth or, or actually I would tell people before they would even have the chance to ask me. So that I was never stuck in that situation where like I had to be upset that someone asked me why I don't have kids. I mean, so I probably overly shared. Um, but honestly, like when I had that first miscarriage, I was glad that I did because people at work knew I was going through this and like my friends knew I was going through it and I didn't have to explain the whole process and then the fact that I miscarried. Just telling people up front had gave me a lot less like explaining to do later when it would have been harder. Uh, but I, I mean, I totally understand when people don't say anything and why they would, you know, go through it in private. But I do think that it did get me more support. Like, I mean, my friends would have supported me anyway, but just knowing them knowing what was going on, you know, every, most people were really there for me. And I will say, like, I was a bad friend during, like, if my, some of my friends that got pregnant and had babies and just, you know, they don't understand because they haven't gone through it. And I pulled away from them. Yeah. Like, I didn't go to baby showers. I didn't go see my friends with babies. Like, I feel really bad about that and, like, have repaired a lot of those relationships now. But it was it really sucked when I was going through it so yeah so I, I'm sure they would have been supported but supportive but I just didn't even let them have a chance it was just too hard yeah especially like those friends that haven't been through it they just don't have the understanding of what it feels like and when everyone around you seems to be falling pregnant so easily and having babies and it's just it's nothing to them they make a decision to have a baby and then they have a baby it's it's really hard when you're on the other side of that and that's all you want and it's so hard even like I had a, a couple friends who had to do fertility treatment and at the end of the day everyone was still having babies mm. like I was this even out of the unicorn Facebook groups like I would bond with these girls and then they would get pregnant and have babies and it started to feel like I really am the only one like I am the worst 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 case scenario yeah. uh, and that was very isolating um yeah I mean like you meet the you meet friends and you bond over fertility and then at the end of the day like you're still the only one left 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was really difficult. But I just kind of like, I just kind of tried to switch my mindset to like, I'm going to be an awesome aunt to all of my friends' babies, right? Like I, I'm, I'm still going to have a good life. Like I, if I just thought about how, like I'd still be okay at the end, even if I didn't have a child, life, like life was still worth living. Um, and then once I switched to that mindset, which was really like the last year or so, it was a lot easier to get excited again for my friends. And even to this day, like I, I have so many friends that are pregnant, right? And I think like at first they're still kind of nervous to tell me, mm. but I truly like 100% am so happy for them. Like I don't feel that like pain of jealousy and more um, do I wish I could have another definitely but like there's I always just remind myself of like the pros of having one baby right like some things are a lot easier so it's all kind of like I'm just constantly negotiating in my head (laughs) this is again this is the cards that you were dealt and like this is your life but but this is your life completely normal to still have those moments of I want this so badly but I understand that I can't and making the best of a really crappy situation it's so amazing that you do have your daughter and and you're going to be able to give her everything yes and I'll be able to give her everything she is going to be incredibly spoiled (laughs) Uh, already a monster (laughs) yeah no and I know this podcast is for people who are struggling and maybe don't even have their first child and I really do think that even I mean she's the light of my life and and I love her so much but I do think that like we would have been okay. Um, I don't think it gets talked about enough with people who go through fertility treatment and end up still childless. Um, And like, that is a reality for a small percentage. And I don't, I just, I feel for those people and I think it should be acknowledged. I mean, I really thought that I was going to end up being that person And, like, you know, the only reason that I didn't is because I had a family member, but like most people don't have that. Or even if they have someone offer, like I said, the medical clearance, the psychological, like to get someone that's actually cleared to be a surrogate, so hard. And I mean, I would have had no kids. And I, I just remember feeling so alone in that because even my fertility friends were still at the end of the day having kids. And, you know, here, of course, like I did too. But I just, I wanted, I don't know. I really felt for those people that like we weren't talking about. Yeah, that's one thing that really scares me too about possibly having to go down the surrogacy route is that I don't think I know anyone that could do it or whatever. I mean, I've never put it out there. So I don't know if someone's just hiding in the background and hasn't hasn't come forward for me yet. Surrogacy is like you really have to be more open, right? Like, if you don't go through an agency, you can't. If you can't afford to save someone, a lot of people do find surrogates by just like going on their Facebook and saying, "Hey, this is all the trouble that we're having. Would anyone be willing to do this?" And it is it is amazing how many women do step up and offer. You have to be completely open, and I know that's hard for some people. Yeah, it's a journey, isn't it? It's, and I think it's it's a real process to. To mentally accept that you're at that point, I think. You know, what would annoy me about some of my friends with kids is that, oh, it's so hard to have kids and oh, we don't sleep and all this and all this. And I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, like take me five years to even get to the point where it just starts to get hard, you know? Like, I don't know. But when we finally had her, honestly, like I was like, this is so easy. I'd been through so maybe we just I remember going to the pediatrician and being like, when does this get hard? Her <laughs> uh, just being like, I think we have a different perspective. <laughs> it's like you've already been through all the hard stuff, like actually yeah. having her, and sh- this is the easy part. <laughs> Every minute, like we were just so grateful and so thankful that it, it really did make having a baby easier. On sleepless nights, like I never felt frustrated because I was so happy to have her. Yeah, you tried all the sleepless nights, like just as long as you have her that's all that matters yeah yeah and even if I start yeah. getting like I said she is a monster but I always remind myself like yeah I think every time that my son got to the next 
like developmental state is like, oh, I love this age the best, but I keep saying that. Like he's nearly three and I keep saying, oh, I love this age, I love this age. And I like to hear that because I'm I'm kind of the opposite. And like, you know, today she turns nine months and I get really upset about it. Like every every month that goes by, I miss having my little baby. Like I, mm. I don't want her to get bigger. Even though I do, obviously, but like yeah. I don't time is going by way too fast so I do love when people say like each stage is great you know yeah I still be looking forward to all of that but with every milestone it is extra hard to be like this is the first and the last time mm. that I'll go through this like yeah it's a double-edged sword for you because like you're mourning the yeah. babiness and soon like and you're right it happens so quickly like once your baby's here, time definitely speeds up. Yeah, no, and like, I mean, I sell, I get rid of or I sell all the baby stuff like as soon as she grows out of it, and it's, it's really hard. Yeah, but yeah. It, again, it's, it's just what works for our family. It's just what happened. What do you think? Uh, some of the biggest lessons that you've learned along the way? Oh gosh, definitely to add the heat to yourself. Yes. Um, especially when it comes to doctors. I mean, I, I didn't ultimately end up having my own baby, but the reason I was able to even like get pregnant and get as far as I did and get information is because like I was taking control um, and really doing the research and like putting myself out there and asking my doctor the hard hitting questions and not taking no for an answer, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I really, I really feel like I did as much as I possibly could. Like, I don't have any regrets. Um, There wasn't anything that I didn't try. So, and I think there were a lot of doctors that I met with that like initially would just kind of, you know, brush you off or I just, I definitely felt like I needed to to be my own advocate. And I think it eventually get us the child, you know, even when Libby was going through the cycle, like it was just, it was very important to pay attention um, and to advocate for me and for her and for the baby. Yeah. And also, I mean, like I've been saying this whole time, like it's out of your control, a lot of it. Right. And I really had to learn that lesson and, you know, start seeing a therapist and like acknowledge that, like there were just things that there's nothing I can do about and like make mm-hmm. peace with that. Um, as hard as it is, they're really like, I always say like the world is going to keep spinning like yeah. whether I'm, like I'm I'm on it and it's just me so no matter what happens like I just have to keep going with it the world doesn't stop and you've really got no choice just to keep pushing no forward choice. yeah no choice and I yeah. tell my friends in situations that too like it's tough love but it it's yeah it's what it's what you have to do I'm sure like while you're in the thick of it you never thought there would be the light at the end of the tunnel but looking back it's I do you feel like wow I I did get through even during the times when I really think I couldn't yeah I'm I'm I can't believe that I can't believe I got through some of it I can't believe that my husband and I got through it I can't believe that we're on the other side and we have a baby and like we love her and we're happy and if you would ask me if I had talked to you you know in 2020 we would have been talking to a much different person yeah for sure did you ever get to the bottom of your amenorrhea? I did, um, which is a, a whole another story that I actually have done a podcast on. Um, because of all of this fertility stuff and other things going in my life, yeah, uh, I was really, really, really stressed, and I developed an eating disorder and an exercise addiction, and it ended up making me lose my cycle. My doctors would look at me and say, well, you're a healthy weight and you look fine and you're normal. Um, and they just let it go on. Um, so that, that was another, I had to do it on my own, like therapy and book and like, I, yeah. That's really interesting. Cause it just reminded me that when I initially came off birth control, I was married in a previous life and I left him and I was on, I had the marina inserted. So I wanted to get off all birth control and just kind of get back to a natural cycle because I'd, I'd been on birth control for like half of my life. 
like mm-hmm. I think since I was like 15 or 16 and then I was like pretty much right on 30 and it's like okay we need to start getting natural and let my cycles happen and I think it was a good two years that it took for me to get my cycles back and I'm very grateful that during that time I wasn't trying to conceive but what also was happening during that point of my life is that I was doing um like body comp competitions so I was at like a stupid body weight and my body fat percentage was like eight percent or something and you had we called HA I'm sure that's what you had um so many women have it and it's not talked about enough diet culture and fitness especially with social media like mm-hmm. it's really hard um and I know many 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 women now who had that problem and like had to go through fertility treatment that they probably didn't have to do you know like I still had to do it or, or maybe not I, I ended up getting pregnant naturally like four times yeah. after I got even though the doctor said I never could so yeah like yeah I'm I'm positive that's what you had yeah and I'm glad, glad you got your cycle back because yeah thank you yeah it, it's it was grueling yeah it definitely took a good two years I think to to get it back and like I'm I guess lucky like it came back and it was regular and but yeah, I never got it diagnosed. I I remember I was seeing a doctor, but it was really hard to see someone who kind of specialized in female hormones, like who was just like a regular GP. Like I didn't need to go to a fertility specialist because I wasn't trying to have a baby at the time. Um, and yeah, I did find it really difficult to find someone with that knowledge base. Same. Um, even the fertility specialist, like mine, mine gave me a diagnosis, but like many of my friends, they saw fertility specialists who still didn't tell them like that this is what it was. Mm. Mine kept saying like, Oh, it's just because I'm small. And sometimes small girls don't get their period. Like it's totally normal. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it has dire consequences, not just for fertility. Like I actually developed osteoporosis. Oh, really? Um, Broke a bunch of bones. Um, Yeah. So I was, I was definitely going through a lot. Wow. Yeah. Did you say you did another podcast just on that alone? You'll have to send me the link. I'll put it in the show notes for people that want to hear it. Yeah, I will. Yeah, because if anyone, I've met a lot of women who think that they're infertile and really it's crazy when I tell my story, how many people say, oh, I didn't get my period and I was exercising a lot or like I was only trying to eat 1200 calories or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I tell them about this and I actually know quite a few people who, just change their lifestyle as much as they don't want to and then they get pregnant naturally and they have a baby and yeah they thought that they were infertile and they're really not so yeah that's awesome yeah definitely put that out there as something for people to research if they need to or they've had that uh history of dieting and yeah yeah over exercising and you don't have to be underweight you don't have to be a tiny body fat percentage I mean I was the same size I am now I was stressing myself out so bad that it completely stopped my cycle. Yeah, that's what it is. Hey, it's the stress. It's yeah, it's your hypothalamus. Yes, yeah, it's basically like exercise is stress on your body, and not eating enough is stress on your body. And then when you're mentally stressing about all of it at the same time, it's just your mm. your body literally shuts down. Like- yeah, I was actually diagnosed with adrenal fatigue at that yeah. time. It's really like we're just we're not meant to be that. The, yeah, the or whatever tells us that that's what you're supposed to do. So yeah. yeah, and your body gives us so many signals, hey, and it's just a matter of tuning in and actually listening to what it's telling us. Like, yeah, not having your period isn't normal. Like feeling tired and like really fatigued all the time isn't normal. Um, getting the shakes and your blood yep. sugar levels dropping like isn't normal. It's these are signals that your body are giving you. It's just trying to make you listen. But what's crazy, like at least in the US, is but when you go to any doctor appointment, if you're a woman, they say, When was your last menstrual cycle? And I would always say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I haven't had one in forever. And like no one really flagged that. They just were like, Okay. I don't think I've ever been asked that by a GP. I think the one question that they would generally ask a woman is when was your last pap smear? Um, yeah, we get that, but all pretty yeah. much when was your last period? They're saying it probably more to check to make sure you're not pregnant. 
But when you say, no, you don't remember, you would think that that would be flagged more. You would think um, so. It's like, okay, that needs investigation. Let's look into that. Even my OB, I never, OBGYN, I never got any sort of question about it. There's a lot of things I wish would change, especially with GPs and the fact that we do have to advocate for ourselves so much. But I don't know. I don't know what what needs to shift and what needs to happen for that change to happen, unfortunately. It's a lot. Yeah. Right. To finish off, what's one piece of advice you'd give women still struggling to conceive? Oh, gosh. Um, just I don't want to say don't lose hope, but I, I, I would say just look deep inside of you and realize that like no matter what happens, you will be okay. And it's okay to have that hope, but it's also okay to look at what the other side would look at to look like too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I would get frustrated when people would just be like, Oh, it's all going to work out. It's all going to work out. And I think it's important to really like realize that it is all going to work out, but it might happen. It might look differently than what you think it is. It's almost like it's okay to give yourself permission to look at the worst case scenario and what that would mean for your life and what that would look like for you. Yeah. Yes. And, and realize that like, at least for me, like I was going to be okay. Yes. And otherwise I just would have ended up just in a deep depression and not able to move forward. So thank you so much for your time and for sharing your story. Like you've been through so much and so happy that you have your little birdie with you now. Thank you. Thank you. Um glad to share my story. You will give a lot of women hope, I think, and even just to, you know, let people know that sometimes you may have to go the untraditional route and that it's completely okay. Yeah. It hasn't changed the bond that you have with your daughter and you're still a yeah. mum. Yep, I'm still a mom, and yeah, not for a second did not hearing her have, it really didn't matter at all. And again, now we never even really talk about it. Like it's yeah. just happened. Amazing. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Messy in the Middle. My main goal for creating this podcast is to ensure other women going through the struggles of infertility and baby loss don't feel alone along this very isolating journey. I want to be able to reach as many women as possible. And in order for me to do this, I would really appreciate if you could subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes and Spotify. Also, if you have any feedback or suggestions of what you'd like to hear, please get in contact with me through the Messy in the Middle Instagram page. Sending you so much love and strength on your journey to baby.